bringing you up to speed on the latest in conservation, science, and responsible hunting in Canada. Hey everyone, it's Mark Hall, and you're listening to the Round Canada Podcast. So an issue was recently brought to my attention uh, via a message on social media by a fellow hunter here in British Columbia and uh, a member of the Silkatine First Nations uh, from Central British Columbia. So that's what this episode is about, <clears throat> Chilcote and moose hunting. And uh, yeah, I thank that person for for uh, sending in this information. I've spent about the last week um, kind of digging into the subject of moose hunting uh, and the allocation between resident hunters and First Nations <clears throat> in Central British Columbia. Uh, so I, I, like I said, I spent about a week kind of researching this, trying to educate myself um, about the issues and the background in the decisions that had to do with allocating um, moose hunting opportunities uh, for the next five years. So what I'm going to do in this episode uh, is I'm going to walk you through kind of uh, what I discovered um, doing the research and the issue here. So um, I'll... I'll give you a synopsis of the statement of concern about moose hunting allocation that was recently published by the Silkatine National Government. I'll give you a bit of a background on the moose population and moose hunting situation in the Chilcotin area of central British Columbia. I'll give you a bit of a synopsis on the moose research program that's been going on in central BC. And I'll go through the, the rationale, um, the decision that was made this year um, by the government on how it's going to allocate moose permits uh, in the Chilcotin area. So the Chilcotin area is a Region 5 um, management unit. Wildlife Management Unit Region 5, um, it's around central BC, around the communities of Williams Lake and Quinell. There are six First Nations um, whose territories are um, overlapping into uh, Region 5, Wildlife Management Unit Region 5. So a bit of a background on <clears throat> where that is in BC. So on June 30th in Williams Lake, British Columbia, which is where the head government office for the Silkatine National Government is, um, they published a news release. Um, the, the news release, uh, the first part of it reads this, the Silkatine National, the, sorry, the Silkatine Nation is condemning the BC government's destructive moose harvest allocation for the Chilcotin region in recent days and expressing its opposition in the strongest terms to BC's drastic escalation of limited entry hunts for moose in Silkatine territory. So a bit of a background. Um, so the Silkatine Nation uh, in central BC has had a number of um, kind of resource issues impacting their territory and their way of life like o over the decades there's been a lot of controversy around a mining company Tosico, uh who wanted to develop a mine um, in the territory uh, and in the Silcatine territory use one of the the lakes as a um, 
as a waste rock dis, um, disposal for um, potentially acid generating waste rock. So th that's been going on for, uh, for a number of years. There's issues about a number of the Silcatine communities are along or near the Fraser. So salmon fishing was an important part of their, their culture. So there's been drastic decreases in salmon and steelhead populations in the, in the Fraser River system. There's been some legal battles over a mine owned by Tasika, the Gibraltar mine, uh, just outside of Williams Lake, and the discharge of mine tailing water into the Fraser River. So there's been a number of issues going on. There were some big, big forest fires that burned in the Chilcotin area in the Silcatine Territory in 2017. Uh, and a tremendous amount of um, uh, salvage logging during the mountain pine beetle epidemic, which I'll talk about here in a minute. So the issue with declining moose populations uh, and concerns of the silcatine go back a little ways to where in 2018 um, they implemented a roadblock <clears throat> uh, during the hunting season. And this uh, this is a couple excerpts from Chief Joe Alphonse um, back when that uh, hunting blockade went up. Uh, he said, we just want the moose hunters to back off. That's even for our own hunters. <clears throat> so that was a blockade on a particular road into a particular management area. Um, Chief Alphonse went on to say, these roads <clears throat> are our answer to them, meaning the government, if they want to impose decisions on us. So in the June 30th news release that came out of the Silcatine National Government, it went on to say, to say this, Silcatine people depend on moose for sustenance and cultural survival. For many years, Silcatine hunters and members have reported struggling moose populations and not enough moose to feed our families and communities. Many members have chosen not to hunt for moose the past several years out of concern for the survival of moose populations. Uh, the news release goes on to say the province's own surveys show that moose population in the Chilcotin at its, is at its lowest point on record. Instead of raising the alarm, the province has now drastically increased the LEH, so limited entry hunting authorizations, for moose, effectively doubling the number of moose LEH permits issued in the Chilcotin region compared to last year. In the news relief, uh, Chief Joe Alphonse said this, We have to take action on this issue. Mismanagement of our wildlife affects us directly. The 2017 wildfires left much of our wildlife stressed from the destruction of their habitat. Our people rely heavily on the moose populations. The province needs to do more. A business-as-usual approach will not be tolerated. We do not recognize the authority of any government to make the same decisions without our consent over our objections and mismanage our lands and wildlife. We have fought to maintain jurisdiction over our territory and there is a blatant disregard for that when it comes to the management of wildlife. BC needs to start acting to protect and preserve these populations. Our people are not going to sit and watch moose disappear in the territory like we have witnessed with the caribou. 
Hunters that plan to come to the Chilcotin need to make other plans. Don't come to the Chilcotin. So the issue with moose in the Chilcotin area uh, actually really started back in the late 1970s, early 80s, um, where hunter, resident hunter harvest um, started to decline. There were three major population crashes of the moose in the Chilcotin, and you can see that in the hunter harvest data by these really marked major declines in the moose hunter harvest from year to year. So the major declines happened around 1985-86, another big crash and decline in harvest in 93-94, and another one in 1998-99. So each time there was one of these big population declines and a significant drop in hunter success, the hunting regulations were adjusted. Um, so, you know, first thing you do in a game population is declining as you get rid of cow-calf permits, put stricter regulations on antlers for bulls or cows or for uh, bucks or bulls, uh, and then going to the permit system, the limited entry hunting. <clears throat> so there's a much more con tighter controls around uh, how, how many animals are harvested compared to a general open season. So, so each one of those, as I understand, each one of those steps were kind of put in place leading up to Moose going on to limited entry in the Chilcotin, I believe around 1999. So there's been a significant reduction in the number of hunters as well in the Chilcotin area. Uh, there was around 12,000 licensed moose hunters in 1982, and last year there was just a little under 1,200 hunters in 2021. Uh, so an order of magnitude decrease in the number of moose hunters. Um, there was a significant decline in the cow moose harvest in the early 1990s. Um, a lot of people are concerned about antlerless animal harvest when there's a decline in populations. Um, so that was one of the first levers that was pulled. And so cow harvest um, was sort of really a non-issue by licensed hunters uh, going way back into the 1990s. Yet there were still a couple of major population crashes even after that. In 1999, there was a major historical outbreak of the mountain pine beetle in central British Columbia that went so far north and east that actually went over to the, the beetles went over top of the Rocky Mountains and into the eastern slopes of the Rockies on the Alberta side, which was unprecedented. They had never um, detected mountain pine beetle uh, on the east side of the Rockies before. And so this pine beetle infestation uh, lasted from 1999 to 2015, or at least the salvage logging. So in the late 1990s, um, the chief forester made a decision to basically log all of the area that there was mountain pine beetle in. It was quite a controversial decision because before this decision was made, the chief forester in British Columbia commissioned a number of scientists to say, take a look at the timber profile and sort of give some recommendations on, on how we can salvage log the pine beetle. If I remember rightly, the scientists came back and said about 70% of the forest that the mountain pine beetles had attacked were mixed species forests. 
So there were other trees there other than lodgepole pine, which the mountain pine beetles were killing. And they recommended leaving those mixed conifer forests. The beetles would kill the pine, but the forest would still be there intact. It would function as wildlife habitat, and it would contribute to long-term timber supply. About 30% of the area attacked by the mountain pine beetle were pure lodgepole pine forests that were completely going to die and fall over. And the scientists said, yeah, go ahead and salvage all of that now. However, that advice was not heeded. Uh, the chief morister of the province made a decision to go ahead and log everything that the mountain pine beetles had been in, even the mixed pine forests where pine was a small percentage of it. The end result over the 15-year time period that the salvage logging operation went on in the Chilcotin area, British Columbia, turned out to be what I have read in various sources as to be the largest timber salvage, salvage logging operation that has ever taken place in the world. So during this time frame of the salvage logging, roads were being built everywhere, areas were being clear-cut, um, wolf population was starting to increase, and declines in moose and moose harvest were being noticed by hunters. Um, moose harvest was continuing to decline. So in response to this in 2013, the British Columbia government initiated a big moose research project to determine what were the factors that were affecting this moose population change. And so what they did is they approached what they called the, land, the landscape change hypothesis, um, which is basically they had this theory that the moose declines coincided with the mountain pine beetle outbreak where habitat changes and the increase in logging, road building resulted in greater vulnerability to moose from hunters, predators, um, imposed some nutritional constraints of not getting enough forage on the moose and some age and health impacts as well as, you know, environmental conditions from changes in habitat. So, so that's kind of what they were looking at was, was these major changes on the landscape being fires, logging and road building, were those the drivers of the moose population declines? Within that study, um, they created five study areas in central BC. Uh, the Bonaparte study area was north of Kamloops. Uh, the Big Creek study area was southwest of Williams Lake in Silcatine Territory. Uh, the Antiaco and Prince George South research areas were southwest of Prince George and the John Prince Research Forest east of Smithers were all areas where the scientists were researching moose, trying to understand how the moose population was reacting to these big landscape changes. Within that, they were doing population inventories. Um, the last report, um, or one of the last reports that was written um, for this big research project published in 2018, 2019, they were still noticing um, moose population decreases in some of the zones, um, density decreases of anywhere from like 30 to 40% decreases. Um, the Silcatine National Government undertook some moose surveys in a couple of management units as well and noticed that there was no change in moose populations between the last time they were surveyed in 2013 and 1997. The scientists were noticing about a 15% decrease in moose density in the wildfire areas uh, and an increase in moose density outside of the wildfire areas. 
they also uh, were looking at because because they they were focusing on on cow moose uh, cows and calves because that's your population drivers recruitment comes from cows have to have high survival they have to have offspring that survive and become a breeding age um, and when that is healthy um, a, a game population an ungulate population will tend to grow so as soon as you have a declining population scientists immediately want to start looking at at the cows um, and the calves and and their survival and and that sort of stuff so what they noticed throughout the the, the study was cow survival was pretty good it was above 85 percent which is kind of a a benchmark that scientists in british columbia use if your cow survival is 85 percent or above that's that's pretty darn good um, calf survival f was about an average of 40 percent uh, across most of bc uh, central bc um, but it ranged uh, from year to year it could be as low as 22% survival and as high as 65%. Um, so the scientists had concluded that calf mortality uh, in the years where survival was low was a really important part of the whole population um, picture, a piece of, piece of the puzzle. They also had noted that generally bull to cow ratios were pretty good. Um, so bull to cow ratios is considered a composition factor of a population. So you can have how many, how many total animals do you have, but how many bulls to cows do you have as well? Because that's a way that the impact of hunting is monitoring, monitored. So if after the hunting season, you still have an adequate number of bulls to breed cows, <clears throat> then generally your population will remain stable or it has the ability to increase. If through hunting you're taking too many bulls and there's not enough of them on the landscape, that's generally a driver of um, low reproductive rates in the females because they're just not getting bred. So bull to cow ratio in a lot of the study areas in central BC was generally um, pretty, pretty good. So when they, the scientists looked at the sources of cow moose mortality, so they wanted to know what was going on uh, in central BC. So they collared about 577 moose, 478 um, of those were cows and <clears throat> almost 100 of those were uh, eight month old calves. Of the 122 collared cows, um, 122 of the 478 cows uh, died during <clears throat> the study period and they when they when a when a cow dies that's got a collar in it they immediately send a team in to to assess what what killed her so across all the study areas of central BC what the scientists were finding is that the leading cause of cow moose mortality was from predation primarily wolves so upwards of 60 62 percent um, of the cow moose that died uh, that they had collars on was due to a predation mostly wolf a little bit bear a little bit cougars 21 percent of the cow moose that had collars on that died died of some kind of health related factor they were somehow sick starving had some kind of um, disease parasite or um, sort of some sort of disorder um, with their internal organs or whatnot and then 15 percent of the cow moose collared cow moose that died in the study period 
were from hunting. And from what I saw of the data that the vast majority of the hunting was what the scientists labeled as unlicensed hunting. So licensed hunting was moose that were taken by resident hunters or guided uh, hunters and unlicensed hunting was either the First Nations harvest or possibly poaching. So in the study area, Big Creek study area that was in the Silcatines uh, territory, uh, the scientists had discovered that about 52% of the cow moose that they had collared that died was from predation. Again, mostly, uh, mostly wolves but 24% of the cow moose mortalities was from unlicensed hunting and 21% of the cow moose that they had collared in that Big Creek study zone was from some sort of um, health related, um, fatal health disease, something or other related to their health. Calf mortality uh, in all the study areas, uh, a lot of people will attribute high calf mortality from grizzly bears and black bears. In central British Columbia, 70% of the calves that they had collared that died um, were killed by wolves. So in the Silcatine uh, statement that came out on um, June 30th, um, they, they said this, uh, the province has now drastically increased the LEH for moose, effectively doubling the number of moose LEH permits issued in the Chilcotin region compared to last year. So that's really kind of um, the crux of, uh, I believe the crux of their, their statement, their concern is that the province is upping the number of moose that are going to get killed uh, by resident hunters and they're concerned about that because the moose population is, is still so low and First Nations hunters, uh, their own people are not able to, to get enough moose. So this is where I had to do uh, a tremendous amount of digging into kind of what's happened here the last couple of years and how the government has gone about um, apportioning um, the limited entry hunts between residents, non-residents, and, and First Nations. So I'm just going to read. So there was a, a government document produced this spring, uh, a rationale for decision document, which is what all the biologists put together after all the, the um, inventory data was assessed and all the consultation with hunters and First Nations was done. Um, the biologists have to put together a package that goes to the statutory decision maker who has to take everything into consideration and make a formal decision on how many moose permits are going to be issued on uh, an annual basis. So ep excerpts out of this rationale document um, for the moose allocation this year um, says this, annual allowable harvest is the number of animals of a species in a specific area of land that may be harvested in a year by licensed hunters. Determination of the annual allowable harvest is informed by population assessments that first considers conservation and sustainability of the species, and secondly, the needs of Aboriginal rights and title for food, social, and ceremonial purposes. Only after these two assessments have been applied is there consideration to the annual allowable harvest for resident and non-resident hunters. 
the uh, rationale document went on to summarize uh, that all First Nations in the Chilcotin have voiced a concern regarding continued difficulty in attaining sufficient wildlife harvest to meet food, social, and ceremonial requirements. Uh, the government report says initial engagement with First Nations began in September of 2020 and continued into the spring of 2021 through discussions of recent moose inventories, traditional knowledge of moose population status, and development of population estimates to support the 2022 through 2026 allocation process. The early engagement also discussed general wildlife management principles, the allocation process, and key steps in the process as per and proposed timelines. Deep consultation with First Nations occurred from June 2021 until November of 2021 through formal submissions, collaborative engagement, and information sharing. Several First Nations expressed concerns regarding the reliability of the moose survey data and perceived low abundance of moose. Uh, government staff responded that there was considerable alignment between the areas flagged for concern by First Nations and areas where moose population decreases, decreases were documented through inventories. Uh, the report also summarizes some of the key um, key concerns put forward. Uh, First Nations continue to express concerns regarding perceived competition from licensed hunters coming into their territories from outside region. First Nations community members have indicated that they are harvesting limited numbers of moose, which is impacting their Aboriginal rights. No support for increased licensing harvest levels from 2021 levels, and some nations have requested further reductions or would prefer license hunting to be closed until moose numbers in the Chilcotin returned to pre-decline abundance, which they say was around 2008. Um, government staff in the Ministry of Forests and Lands said in the report they would like to acknowledge that many communities in the region have indicated that some of their members are unable to harvest sufficient moose to meet community needs for food, social, and ceremonial purposes. Results of recent community harvest surveys indicate that there are multiple factors contributing to this issue. First Nation community members' abilities to pursue hunting and successfully harvest wildlife are impeded by such things as fuel and equipment costs, vehicle and firearm availability, among other factors. So the Chilcotin area, Region 5, is broken up into four bigger game management zones, which are comprised of 88 smaller management zones. 10 of those smaller management zones have actually been completely closed to moose hunting. Back in the early 1970s and early 80s, this is just to kind of frame where we're at today when I get into the numbers, there was about 3,000 moose per year being harvested at a peak period in the late 70s or early 80s. So it's substantially less than that. So the decision on the number of limited entry tags that was going, that, that have been put out for this year um, was part of it, uh, what they call the five-year allocation. So, so, so the numbers of moose 
that are going to be taken over a five-year, uh, uh, on an annual basis is out actually calculated on a five-year uh, outlook. So one of the reasons they do that is because the outfitters are given a, uh, an annual allowable harvest and a quota for a five-year period. So they're able to plan booking hunts out for five years. They know um, how many moose they're going to have, uh, moose tags for each year for a five-year period. It's, it's, it's a business-related thing for the outfitters. So um, this, this took a fair bit of work digging through a bunch of uh, reports and data um, tables and stuff of the governments. Um, so in 2021, uh, the, it appears that there was 1,135 LEH permits put out for moose in the Chilcotin area. That looked like it was designed to, to, to target a, a resident harvest or a licensed harvest hunt of about 441 moose. So last year, the harvest was 360 moose. They were targeting 440. They had to give out 1,135 LEH permits to try to get 440 moose, but they only got 360. That's about a 30% 30, 30 success rate. So only one in three hunters actually got a moose in 2021. This year in 2022, there was about 1,515 LEH permits issued, which the best I can calculate, that means they're trying to target about a 450 moose harvest. So if the same pattern as last year works out of about a 30% success rate, only about 367 moose will get taken this year. In the government report, the moose harvest, projected moose harvest numbers, they projected those as a percentage of the population, uh, and it ranges in the four game management zones between about 2.3% of the moose population up to about 5% of the moose population. In the previous research that biologists had done on moose in the Chilcotin, they had told managers that about a five to 6% removal of the population would be sustainable for the moose in the Chilcotin area. So moose are actually on the uptick. The population is actually doing a little bit better um, back from back when um, the scientists looked at it in 2018-2019. Uh, overall, uh, across all of the four game management zones, um, the biologists are projecting that the population at the end of the five-year allocation in 2026 will actually be higher than it is this year in 2022. So their overall plan for the next five years is they'll be incrementally stepping up the allocation, the numbers of LEH permits and the guides quotas little bit by little bit over the next five years to match a projected increase in the moose population by 2026. So the way I understand that this works as well is they're projecting an allocation for the next uh, five years but the resident harvest tags, the LEH tags, might get actually get adjusted down next year, even though they are projecting them to go up a little bit, <clears throat> just depending on what actually transpires 
with the moose population this winter and with the actual harvest this fall. Now one of the things that the guide outfitters are allowed to do with their annual allowable harvest, um, the, their quota, is they get a five-year five harvest allocation, which is broken up into five-year increments, and they're allowed so many tags per year. But they're allowed to carry, bring forward um, some of the tags from next year into this year. They're, they're allowed to harvest a bit more moose this year, uh, depending on the numbers of clients they have and, you know, the hunting season and just adapting from the perspective of, of a business person. From what I understand <clears throat> is the government is allowing them a little bit higher than normal carryover um, from future back to now, up to 40% increase of their annual quota. Uh, by bringing tags in from next year. So that helps them, you know, like I said, adjust to business um, client demand. But the danger of that system is that if there's a high harvest this year, if outfitters all bring more moose tags from next year into this year, there's a little, little bit too many moose are taken, then next year the government will downward adjust the resident tags. Um, they, they may adjust the outfitters or they may not. Um, but generally, uh, what I've seen is a lot of times that the deficit is taken out of the resident LEH tags. Now in British Columbia, it varies between First Nations all over the province and the willingness of the nation to share how many game animals that it's targeting for the year. A lot of uh, First Nations government manages their own hunters. Some nations actually have their own tag system. Others adopt um, the provincial hunting regulations. Places like on the island where um, there's really strict controls on Roosevelt elk hunting. Um, I understand there's really good collaboration between the government biologists and the biologists working for the First Nations in coordinating the numbers of Roosevelt elk that are taken and reporting the number harvested. Um, but then other places of the province, there isn't a lot of information sharing, um, just in the sense, what I have heard from First Nations uh, people and my limited experience is they're skeptical of telling the government how many moose that they want or how many moose they're actually harvesting. And that's understandable and sharing those wants and, and harvest numbers because if you look at the history in Canada for the last couple of hundred years, um, if whatever that settlers and the colonial governments had learned about what First Nations people have or what they wanted to have um, generally resulted in a lot of things being taken away from them. So there is a history there and there is a mistrust, I guess you could maybe say. Um, my interpretation is a mistrust of government uh, in some places of sort of sharing too much of what the First Nations harvest is. So in the cases where there really isn't good exchange of information, the government biologists do the best that they can in estimating the number of First Nations hunters and figuring out how many um, game animals the nation members need and that they're going to take. Uh, and then that gets factored into the allocation for licensed hunters. So 
in the Chilcotin area across all four game management zones, um, the government uh, was estimating uh, about 1,130 moose for First Nations uh, food social ceremonial purposes, which was up uh, a little bit from their estimate last year of 1,070. Now, in the five or the four game management zones in the Chilcotin, 5A, 5B, um, 5D, basically the numbers of LEH permits that were issued for two of the zones, A and B, was about the same as last year. In the other two zones, game management zone 5C and 5D, there was a fairly significant increase in the number of LEH tags that were put out um, from 56 to 209 and from 54 last year to 99. So in game management zone 5D, um, last year there were 54 licensed tags for L, uh, under LEH. That was bumped up to 99 this year. The Silcatine territory, mostly from what I can tell, falls into game management zone um, D. So that is almost a doubling of the LEH tags in um, game management zone 5, 5D. However, across the whole entire region, like I was saying before, it appears from the government um, records, even though they've increased um, a about 30%, no, about 50% uh, on the LEH tags across the whole entire region. They're targeting about the same number of moose to be uh, harvested by licensed, licensed hunters. So if everything proves equal from last year. So in the government report um, to the decision maker, things that they, uh, the decision maker, the biologist wanted the decision maker to take into consideration in making this decision, um, the report said a couple of these things. Uh, provided the bull to cow ratios are maintained at a level that ensure full and timely breeding of cow moose, licensed harvest of bulls is not a significant driver of overall population abundance. Recovery efforts should be focused on factors that influence cow survival and juvenile recruitment. BC has taken the declines in moose population seriously and has significantly reduced licensed annual allowable harvest, total limited entry authorizations, and guide quota in the region to facilitate the recovery of moose populations and accommodate the shift of First Nations harvest from antlerless to antlered moose. So there's been about a 70% decrease in the total numbers of limited entry authorizations for resident hunters in BC, BC over the last 10 years. And 10 of the management zones, the smaller management zones, have been closed to moose hunting altogether. So when the statement says uh, there's been significant reduction in total numbers of LEHs, about a 70% reduction over the last 10 years, and that's just the resident um, harvest. The allocation process in the Chilcotin is designed so that about 75% of the moose are taken by residents and 25% are taken by the outfitters. So when they cut back the numbers of LEH authorizations for resident hunters, they also got to chop tags for the outfitters. And some of the outfitters have had up to 50% of their moose quota taken away over that time period as well. Um, the biologists in their recommendations report to the statutory decision maker on this year's uh, 
uh, allocation, moose allocation, uh, also went on to say this, if First Nations in the region are successful in shifting harvest from cows to bulls, it will be important to continue to monitor bull to cow ratios closely. As such, forest lands and natural resource operations, the ministry that where the biologists work, um, as such, Flinro with available capacity will conduct composition surveys throughout the region to monitor bull to cow ratios. If bull to cow ratios drop below 30 bulls per hundred cows licensed, annual allowable harvest may need to be reduced. Bull to cow ratios in the Chilcotin game management zones are well above provincial minimum targets and appear to be increasing. In the Chilcotin, where forage may be limiting a limiting factor, the region recommends increasing licensed harvest to reduce the risk that surplus bulls are negatively impacting available forage to reproductive component of the population. So what the biologists are saying is in some of the areas, there may be not a lot of available forage. And if there's too many bulls for cows, they actually want to use hunting to knock back the ratio of bulls to cows so that most of the nutrients on the landscape are going to the cows that are giving birth and driving population increases. Uh, obviously, you can't really have a population increase if it's limited by, by forage, um, but if the population and if the forage is Im improving, uh, which this may be referring to where the wildfires burned, I'm not 100%, but as you probably know from your own experience that soon after a wildfire burns, there's not a whole lot for a moose to eat. 10 years down the road, there's usually more forage than, you know, than a moose can eat and life is pretty good. And so there's generally an increase in moose population as the amount of forage and browse increases as the burns recover. So in those early periods, um, I think what the government's trying to do here is to use hunting as a tool to keep the bull population down as those burn areas, um, the biomass is increasing and then allow the moose population to take off. Uh, the biologists also went on to say that estimates of actual moose harvested by First Nations hunters would greatly increase the accuracy the accuracy of their population modeling. So this goes back to what I was saying before about um, um, sort of the challenges that occur in some places in the province of understanding exactly what the First Nations harvest is so that the biologists can take that into account in estimating populations, estimating mortality, uh, and making the decisions on allocating moose harvest between First Nations and licensed hunters. Uh, at, towards the end of the recommendation reports, the, um, the biologists uh, also said this, kind of a forward-looking statement. Many First Nations are undertaking uh, or collaborating on projects designed to address factors driving moose populations, including research to understand the influence of feral horses, which is a problem in the Chilcotin, potentially on moose and other wildlife, and the influence of predators on moose populations. So anyways, that's kind of everything that I discovered um, about moose, moose hunting and moose management and the allocation of tags between residents, uh, non-residents and First Nations in the Chilcotin, kind of um, spurred on by the Silcatines statement on June 30th. Um, 
Recently in British Columbia, sort of a whole new approach to wildlife management was put together and launched by the government called the Together for Wildlife Strategy. The vision of the Together for Wildlife Strategy is this, wildlife and their habitats thrive, are resilient and support and enrich the lives of all British Columbians. The five goals of the Together for Wildlife Strategy are all British Columbians have a voice in wildlife stewardship. Data, information, and knowledge drive better decisions. Stewardship actions achieve tangible benefits for wildlife. Accountability and transparency build trust and confidence. And collaboration advances reconciliation with indigen Indigenous governments. So given what I've discovered and communicated to you here about the First Nations side of the moose issue, and the government's side of how the actual decision to allocate tags was made. What do you think? Were the principles and the goals of the Together for Wildlife strategy being implemented in Region 5 in the Chilcotin with the allocation of moose for the next five years? What are your thoughts? All right, everybody, we'll see you in the next episode.